0: Support for all the books comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Did they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spiced blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti gelato and sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest. They're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details.
1: You're listening to all the books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode one oh five. Today we are talking about books released on May 2nd, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com.
0: Hello. Hi. We've had a wild and wooly day today. a
1: wooly week. It was mammoth of a week.
0: It was. It was a wooly mammoth of a, yeah, of a Monday today. <laughs> um,
1: I, I have new computer, new earphones earphones yeah and everything sounds different so you're talking and I'm just like ah. <laughs> it's so weird to me because it's late at night which never happens
0: I know we never record at night it's like all, it's, all, it's all on me today
1: we're everything. supposed to
0: start like raining cats and dogs we're probably going to get an email from Kyle our editor after this who's like you guys did all of your things were plugged into the wrong places and you sound weird but yeah
1: that's how the day's going
0: That's all right. We've done a million of these episodes, so if we get a little weird every now and then, that's just how it goes. It's part of the All the Books charm. But, um, you know, what's
1: cool is our listeners and our Slack channel that we've been talking to people who listen to All the Books. Hello, Slack channel. Yes. And I, I finally came up with a name for our listeners. We were always like, listeners, and that's, like, not very personal, you know, like, we're friends, we're all friends here, so I finally, finally came up with a nickname for our listeners, which I think is pretty cute, and it you is. might agree with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm going to refer to you now, dear listeners, as ATBs, like A-T-B-E-E-F.
0: Does this mean we get our own beehive? Yeah, see? can
1: It took me 105 episodes to
0: come. <laughs> okay. It just needed to simmer long enough.
1: Yeah, it's true. All
0: yeah. right. Well, speaking of things that have been simmering for a while, there are a ton of good books out today, and we've been, like, ready and waiting for this big release day. So you want to kick us off?
1: I will do just that. My first pick is This is Just My Face, Not to Scare" by Rice. She is an actress. You probably know her from Precious or Empire, American Horror Story, The Big C, which I must admit, I did not realize was the thing until I read her memoir. And I had to look it up. And it has Laura Linney and Oliver Platt and all kinds of fabulous people in it. And it's not even on
0: the air anymore. Um, did you ever see that? I, I did not, know.
1: Well, it sounds great. Um, but this is her memoir about her fascinating life. Um, she also, she's 34. She's been playing teenagers until about two or three years ago. Cause I was like, wait, this is the the girl from American Horror Story. No, she's the 34 year old woman now. I was like, wow, she looks good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like usually when you see shows, like, I think it was Cordelia in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, she was like 20 or 29 playing a high school student. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy. And like, nobody ever believed any. If the kids are nine or two, we know we're high school students, right? Like, oh no, just, like, not, like not just Andrea, but like all
0: of it. Yeah, they're I just not. watched you Footloose know, just, again the other night when I was trying to recover from one episode of The Handmaid's Tale because that stuff is good, but it is difficult. And I was just like, all these people are thirty-five.
1: <laughs> it's really, really true. So back to to Gabare, which her name is spelled G A B O U U R E Y. And she's like, it's pronounced like cabaret. And I was like, oh, that's super easy to remember. So she has had a really fascinating life. Uh, she grew up in Harlem. Her mom and dad got married because her dad needed a green card. He offered her mom uh, money and said, I need a green card. And But then after they agreed to this, it's like a, it's a very strange meet cute story. Um, then she fell in love with him, like after they got married. And they ended up moving in together and having two children. She has a younger brother. Um, her father is a uh, Senegalese, and he's a taxi driver. He still is. And he was very reserved and very judgmental. Um, and her mom was, like, this joyous, you know, um, big heart. She's a subway singer. She, like, sings very well-known in New York City. Like, people are like, oh, it's Mary, the subway singer. Like, they know who she is, and they would always ask Gabrielle, like what it was like to be her daughter and was she a good singer and she was very jealous of all the attention um not that they were giving her mom but well yeah that they were giving her mom because she only wanted her mom for herself so you know she was she was very snarky and snippy with a lot of the people um but so her dad it, she had a difficult relationship with her dad and it's really it's an amazing thing to read in this book because when she starts out talking about him um she was very hard on him and very upset with him and and rightfully so there's a lot of things in his life like he had a lot of wives um oh. he used to just be married to her mom but then he like had a secret wife back in africa that he married like on, vi- on business trips or trips to visit his family and then he like married more women and and that's you know his culture that's what he does but his mom her mom didn't want that and like kept it a secret from he kept it a secret from them for a long time and she ended up with like a lot of younger brothers and sisters and it's this very weird thing so she wasn't like speaking to her dad uh for a long time um and so this sort of she grows up in like this environment and then she goes off to college but she has uh depression um that she's you know she needs to be treated so she drops out of college she talks a lot about that like what that was like and Her mom was sort of like oh you're not depressed just be happy and you know like how hard it was like to get her mom to understand what she was going through um then she there's a chapter where she talks about she took a job as a phone sex operator and this is probably the most hilarious chapter in the book as you can imagine um she details like what it's like like it's an actual business it's like nothing like you would imagine you know all these ideas of what this was going to be like when she arrived it was completely different i mean she worked there for a while and it was while she was working there that she got her life-changing role. She was hired to play Precious, the star of the movie that was based on the book *Push* by Sapphire, and like how that completely changes her mind. And that kind of, you know, goes into her talking about her weight. Um, you know, she's she's fat, as she you know calls herself in the book. Um, and she talks about like how she knows she would not have received that role if it's not for how, how she looks, but you know, how she looks is not a character trait. Um, it's not, like, how she should be hired for everything. But it did open a lot of doors for her and, you know, brought her all this great, great stuff into her life, you know, and, and all these amazing experiences. But she also talks about, like, what it's like to be overweight and deal with strangers on the internet who constantly, you know, either make fun of her or, you know, say just nasty things about her or the fact that she's black or, you know, say, like, I'm, you know please, I really like you, please lose weight, you know, for your own sake, like, like, she, she's like, you know, do you think I don't know that I'm overweight? You know, she talks about like, what it's like to have people do that to you. And also like the difference in comments, she was in the, um, the blind side. And her co-star is a man who is a, she said she's, he probably weighs about the same amount as she does. And she would read these comments and people would be like, oh, she's fat, she's ugly, they call her like horrible racial slurs, they would say just all these terrible things, and then they'd be like, oh, she'd look at his comments, and they're like, oh, he's a big teddy bear, oh, he's chubby, oh, this and that, and like the complete difference in how people talk to women who are overweight as opposed to like how they view men. Um, and how she used to always make the joke first, like how she used to get teased a lot in school, but she you know, it hurt her feelings and she would cry all the time. And so she decided she would start making the jokes about herself first to sort of, like, make people laugh with her as well as at her instead of just at her. Um, and how she doesn't want to do that anymore and how lousy that feels and how she just, like, one day decided, like, she's going to love herself because this is her life and she's not going to let people ruin it. And and it has made all the difference in her life. I think the first time that she came to my attention, there was an article about something she tweeted Like she was at the Golden Globes, I think, and people were saying terrible things about her weight and about her outfit, like tweeting awful things about it. And she was just like, "Oh, you know, hey haters, you know, hello from my private jet while I fly to my really awesome job, (laughs) my really awesome life." And I was like, "This woman is cool, you know, like she's she's amazing." And she she does she she talks she had weight loss surgery um, a few months ago or last probably a year ago now, and she talks about like what that is like. And she's just, she's so funny, and she, she, it reads like you're having a conversation with her. She says things like, you know, OMG, and like just all, cracks all these jokes all the time. And you also, by the end of the book, find out that she, you know, I'm not spoiling it for her. You know, she talks about it in all her interviews and stuff. Um, You know, she's now speaking with her father again. And you can, like, see the progression, like how she came to understand him and has learned to forgive him. And, you know, love him in his own way. And you can, like, see it as you read the book. It's really interesting. And it's so, so funny. And if you ever get a chance, I would Google um, Gabourey Sidibe Jimmy Kimmel wedding and watch that video. Because his fiance hired her to go out and walk down the aisle when the music started playing. (laughs) Like, everybody turned around and there was Gabourey walking down the aisle towards Jimmy Kimmel. And he was just like, you know, like cracking up. It's so funny. She has the cutest little laugh and she snores. It's the best. Um. Anyway, I've talked about this book a really long time now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's so It's so great. It is so much fun. And so, 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 again, it's called This Is Just My Face, Try Not To Stare by <laughs> and her last name is spelled S I G I B E, and she's awesome.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you really love that one.
1: Oh, it's so cute. It's I think so I'm confined. gonna get it
0: on it's... audio and yeah. let her be my drive around friend for a while.
1: Yes, um, I think there was a there was a tweet like a few months ago where she was like, "I'm on day one of recording the audio for this," and I just said "butthole" and laughed for <laughs> five minutes so <laughs> it's
0: not going well. <laughs> well, now I'm really going to look forward to it. Um, my first pick this week is kind of a nice pairing with that. It's also about a uh, young woman making her way in the world and dealing with haters on the internet. It's called One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter by Saatchi Cool. Uh, she is a writer, a culture writer for BuzzFeed Canada, and this is a collection of essays. Um, I've followed her online for a long time. She's super smart and really clever, and I think I first like i had followed her for you know links to news things for a while but I first was like alright I'm going to pay attention to this woman when she was getting trolled really hard and she started replying to her trolls with random lines from Goodwill Hunting like she just you know had the script open in one tab on her desktop is how I imagined this going and people would say a terrible thing to her and then she would reply back with like how do you like them apples or you know some of the lesser known things like they didn't realize that this is what was happening um people just you know kept the trolls just kept trolling but she had turned it into this game um so one day we'll all be dead and none of this will matter is about a bunch of things but it's about being an indian woman growing up in canada um she is you know a first generation her parents were immigrants so she's a first generation canadian um, and that sounds like it's pretty similar to the experience that um, first generation americans talk about with the expectation, like struggling in that tension between the expectations that your parents have for your life and the expectations that you have. Like many of her friends and relatives uh, still have arranged marriages. She is in love with a white man who's more than a decade older than she is. And uh, when the book is happening, they're not engaged yet, but they're living together. There are problems with her parents and their approval or lack thereof. Um, So she's writing about sort of living in that divide. She also writes about being a woman on the internet um uh, what happened that led up to the really terrible trolling that she experienced and what happened when like when her facade finally cracked when she finally was like you know what i can't put up with this. I shouldn't have to put up with this. It actually does affect me. Um, She's very sarcastic. And in one of the best pieces in the book, she gets into what that's all about. Like, I wear this armor. I am very sarcastic. I brush things off and like pretend like I don't have feelings basically. But this trolling got to such a point that she couldn't ignore how it was affecting her. Um, She also writes about, you know, struggling with body image and weight. It's very, like, if you are a woman in the world, you will relate. To the way that she writes about this, but that uh, that feeling that you have sometimes of like if I just find like the perfect dress to wear all summer, I'm gonna feel like a brand new person. And how this she has this feeling, and it backfires on her every time, up to and including getting stuck in and then cut out of a skirt in the dressing room of a fancy place where she used to work, where someone at the very end of the terrible ordeal <laughs> recognizes like, oh, that's why I know you, <laughs> as I'm cutting you out of the skirt and accidentally cutting your underwear in the process. It's like, I've never
1: heard that happening.
0: No, it's like, I once almost had to have a friend come rescue me out of a sports bra at Target. Um, but, Like that's getting cut out of a skirt is a whole other experience. And she sees the humor in these situations and is willing to like put her own stuff out there, Um, both serious personal stuff, but also, you know, sort of silly observations about things and share it. It does feel like you're having a conversation with her. Like this feels kind of like sitting at a bar over the course of a couple of drinks, getting to know her and learning about her family and her work and what her own like personal neuroses are. Um, It's really, really fun and smart and interesting interesting it felt like a um, like a cousin kind of to lindy west like there's not as much feminism in the forefront but her feminism defines her identity and defines her perspective on the world and so it's it's in there in these pieces but if you like that feeling of an essay collection like it has teeth but it's also very funny this one is a good fit again it's called one day we'll all be dead and none of this will matter by sachi cool and that brings us to Our first sponsor. Uh, Our first sponsor this week is Adulthood for Beginners. It's by Andy Boyle. This is the hilarious yet useful guide for avoiding years of awkwardness, mistakes, bad dates, and more that older millennials and Gen Xers wish they'd had when they were younger. Man, Liberty, they should have asked us to write this book. (laughs) Um, The genesis of Adulthood for Beginners was in 2015, uh, the author Andy Boyle wrote a blog post which was syndicated on Medium. The post was one of the first uh, became one of the first essays in adulthood for beginners, and it shares the amazing upsides for him of giving up alcohol. Um and then later on, he shares some straight up rules for those who enjoy throwing back a few. But then additional topics of advice include meeting and making new friends, dealing with roommates, including how to be a good one and how to exit a bad living arrangement, the art and importance of small talk, the best advice about love. Online Dating 101, notably how to message someone properly. Truth be told, we've all either experienced or initiated that awkward, unwanted, uncomfortable intro. Um, I do not have online dating experience, but I believe this to be true of people who do. Um, Dating myths, the proper way to network, aka the subtle art of complimenting without appearing creepy, sleazy, or stalkerish. How to write a truly kick-ass resume and the importance of regular dental care and cleanings. So a little bit all over the board, but I guess, you know, adulthood kind of is all over the board as are the things that you have to learn about being an adult. Um, So if this sounds good to you, we are rolling up here on graduation season. This might be a good book for an upcoming high school or college graduate or for you if you are, you know, not quite all the way around um, some of these things in life. Again, it's called Adulthood for Beginners by Andy Boyle. We'll have a link in the show notes if you're interested. I know that
1: this is gonna come as a surprise to you, but i don't feel like
0: an adult i don't think anyone does
1: yeah but i actually a couple weeks ago when i was at print bookstore in portland which is owned by our friends emily and josh i was sitting there in their bookstore and i felt like an adult i was like our friends have a business and they're they have like an actual bookstore like a thing that you go to it's like a thing and i was like i feel like a grown-up I don't know why I felt like a grown up because they had a thing, but
0: hey, <laughs> it's like I'm old enough to have a friend who has a business.
1: Yeah, I think I was just like in the general like blanket of adults. Like we're adults doing like things you see other people do. Like it was it was pretty crazy. And it then is. I was you know eating frosting or something, but <laughs> you know for like a second though I felt like an adult.
0: I think it's fleeting for everybody.
1: Yeah never, I don't think you ever really know. You
0: no. just look at the mirror
1: and go, oh. oh,
0: yeah, oh, what's that like? All right, lady, we better get cooking.
1: I know, I just it's been such a long day. I want to talk to you all the time. <laughs> um, so my next pick is Priest Daddy Memoir Patricia Lockwood. Um, this makes me want to burst into an awkward song. I love this book so much. Remember, I had to get my hands early. And they gave me a necklace that matches the necklace on the cover because I think that they knew that I would imprint on the book. They were completely cracked. The title is Priest Daddy, and that is because Lockwood's father is a Catholic priest. And you say, What? How is that possible? <laughs> uh, he found a loophole. It doesn't happen often, but it does occasionally happen. He is a married man with five children, and he's a Catholic priest. Um, he started started out as a Lutheran, and it didn't work out for us when so he became a Catholic priest. And he's just like anyone else, any other priest He does everything that priests do, which I'm blanking on because I'm not a priest. Um, but her dad, it's about her dad. He's this, like, larger-than-life character. I mean, he's just, you wouldn't believe that he's a real person, except I do believe he's a real person. He plays guitar, like, likes to rock out. Um, he's really into action movies, and he's really into Fox News which I'm dying to know what he thinks about the Bill O'Reilly thing now. Um, he doesn't like to wear pants. <laughs> well, who does? And her, you know, childhood and adulthood, like, not wanting to wear pants. Um, and this is, like, her story about what it was like to grow up in this household. Her mother is also, she's another character, you know, she's, she has always been religious, her mother. And she just kind of always knew that her, she felt like her dad, like Lockwood's dad, would eventually find religion. And his his come to God story is is kind of amazing. Um, I was like, is this this is it? Like this is the thing that happened that made him decide he wanted to be religious. It's incredible, but I'm not gonna spoil it for you. And um, and so it's about like Lockwood's religious upbringing and like her very unconventional family life. Um, and of course they have like the usual parent teen struggles they always have, you know. But she met her husband when she was 19, and it's like about she moved out. Um, but then years later something forced them to have to stay with her parents for a matter of months of like eight or nine months. So Lockwood and her husband moved back in with her parents and her husband in his reactions to them and, and the things that he says and notices are amazing. Um, he's exactly like her, unless it's just her, you know, putting her own spin on what he says, but so funny. He's just astounded and fascinated by her family and the religion. He's not religious at all. And the things that they keep in the house and their dad doesn't wear pants and he's just, it's great to see it through his eyes. And her writing is so unbelievably funny and sharp. And it's just about how this sort of unusual upbringing, you know, shaped her, um, gave her tons of material. I mean, I could read a book about, with like Father Greg stories, like forever, like I didn't want this to end. Um, but there's also like sad things and terrible things that happen in her life. And she sort of, eviscerates the religion behind, you know, which her parents, you know, have always been a part of and, like, calls them out on their hypocrisy. Um, it's it's so fascinating, and, like I said, it's a riot. I mean, her I've never read her before. I know that she's a poet. I kind of call her the Poet Laureate on her Twitter, um, and I have read her tweets, but I've never read her poetry. But I would like to read a new book by her every single day, if that was possible. She's so fantastic. Again, it's called Priest Daddy, a Memoir by Patricia Lockwood.
0: I'm going to have to read that. Somehow it, like, I missed that it was a memoir, and I was like, I've read some of her poetry before, and it's just not quite my flavor. Like, it's, I think I'm not good enough at reading poetry to read her poetry is really the secret. Like, it's about me, not about her. Um, But I'm going to have to read that. That sounds great.
1: Well, I was wondering because I was expecting you to be like, I was like, I might have to fight Rebecca on this one, and then
0: you didn't. Yeah, it sounds like I really missed something there. and. I'm going to have to correct that. She sounds like she would be great at a dinner party, (laughs) which, which brings me to my next pick. (laughs) (laughs) It's late here, kids. Um, (laughs) So my next selection this week is The Dinner Party Stories by Joshua Ferris. He is the author of several novels. um, You probably are familiar with Then We Came to the End, which was his debut novel. Um, A funny story about, like a funny satire, basically, of the corporate world and a series of unfortunate layoffs. Uh, He also wrote The Unnamed and To Rise Again at a Decent Hour. I a kind of despite myself really love his work. Um, because the longer that I'm a reader and definitely the longer that we do Book Riot and the more different kinds of books I learn to read, the less I'm drawn to the like thirty-five-year-old white guy literary fiction. But man, I just can't resist Joshua Ferris. And this is his first collection of short stories. I am really glad that I read it. He's very talented at that concise, like tight punch that short stories need to have. Um, They are firmly, you know, like, it's literary fiction. So we're talking about short stories that are firmly grounded in the real world here. If we're getting into the all the books parlance about, like, some of the things we read are super weird in short stories. This is not that. Um, But these are, you know, couples dealing with awkward moments. There's, uh, like, an older man who is being spied on by the retired lady who lives across the hall from him at the retirement home. It's his birthday and he's lonely and no one is calling him. And then a prostitute shows up at his door and convinces him to take a Viagra and he has a heart attack. And that's just the beginning of the story. (laughs) Um, and like the um, the title story is about a dinner party that a couple are at their home and they're waiting for their friends to come over for dinner. They don't really want the friends to get there, but then the friends never show and the husband sets off to figure out what's going on with that. There's just those sort of rich uncomfortable moments of human relationships. Um, And the the book, I have to confess that I have not quite finished it, um, but I have been really, really enjoying it. These are what I want out of literary short stories. Um, Just enough, just enough uncomfortable, like literary fiction does the thing when it's, when it's good, it does the thing of, sort of holding up a mirror to humans about what we are like and what our lives are like and doing it in an artful way that it can somehow it becomes enjoyable to like look at a character do a thing that reflects back to you a thing that you don't like about yourself or that you've seen in someone else and Joshua Ferris is great at that I'm digging that in these short stories Um, if you've never read him before I've been torn about like if you've never read him before is this a good place to start because it's such a different experience of his writing but each of his three novels is also very different from the other ones so if you've never read him before I guess pick the one of his books that sounds the most like something that you will like and give it a shot but he is one of the great younger working writers today and I think it deserves to be read uh, very widely so pick up The Dinner Party Stories by Joshua Ferris and if the last story it has like something terribly offensive in it I'm sorry I haven't read it yet I will retract this if necessary. I'm always nervous about that, but I don't think that's going to happen. It's a great read. It's
1: pretty great.
0: Yeah. All right. The the title of your next one looks like a book that I could have written.
1: That was my joke. Oh, Oh.
0: (laughs) sorry, dude.
1: (laughs) Yes. My first book sounds like it's a book about Rebecca's life, but it's not. It's called my life with Bob. (laughs) Plot heroine keeps book of books, comma, plot ensues. And it is by Pamela Paul. She is the New York Times book review editor. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's how she has been keeping track of every book she has read since eighth grade. And it keeps them in Bob, her book of books. And it's, in effect, a journal of her life. It's, you know, by keeping a list of all the books that she's read, she is marking her interests at different times in her life. Keeping a diary of time, like how long it takes to do things um she talks about like how she first started talking about bob in public in 2012 and they did an article about it i think in new york magazine and they took a photo of the first page of her uh bob and how it felt to have like her very first books that she read like in eighth grade like right there for everyone to see it sort of like felt very personal to have that laid out for everyone to look at um because you know it's It has come with her through her whole life. It's, you know, she grew up, she went to school, she got a successful career, she got married, she has children. But, like, Bob is the steady constant in her life. And it's about the importance of books and how what we read shapes us and how we turn those stories into parts of our own stories. It's essential for book lovers, basically, is what I'm saying. If you love books, this is the book that you want to read. It's utterly charming. And, again, it is called My Life with Bob by Pamela Ball.
0: It's a good book title. Yeah, it's really, it's too bad because it's like the title of the book that you're going to need to write later on about your life with your journals of like everything you've ever read.
1: Well, it actually made me really sad because I have at different times kept track of my reading and for various, you know, reasons, they got lost or stolen or have disappeared. And, you know, I start over again and I get these really weird things. But um, you know, and, and up until recently, I was keeping, like, seven in journals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it would take me, like, every time I finished a book, it would take me a half an hour to put all the information into all these journals. And I realized that, you know, I could save a lot of time if I stopped doing that. And so I did. And now I'm, like, sad that oh, oh, those journals God. are, like, they haven't been used in, like, two years. But I've also probably got a lot more reading done because of it. <laughs>
0: Uh, If the toss up is between a reading journal or actual reading, you're going to go with reading every time.
1: Uh, Yeah. So now I just like write a title down on on a piece of paper and it's like, "Mm, not as exciting. Maybe I'll get back to it someday. But um, speaking of exciting, do you want to hear about our next sponsor? I do. It is The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. It's fascinating nonfiction. Uh, The synopsis, let me tell you. The Curie's newly discovered element of radium makes gleaming headlines across the nation. From body lotion to tonic water, the popular new element shines bright in the otherwise dark years of the First World War. Meanwhile, hundreds of girls toil amidst the glowing dust of the radium dial factories. The glittering chemical covers their bodies from head to toe. With such a coveted job, these shining girls are the luckiest alive until they begin to fall mysteriously ill. As the fatal poison of the radium takes hold, the brave shining girls find themselves embroiled in a groundbreaking battle for workers' rights that will echo for centuries to come. This is 100% true. It sounds like a novel, but it's not. It's 100% true about these young women that were working in these factories and they got sick, and it's it's devastating and so but also like you know it's a part of history. It's so fascinating. Um, It's the first book that fully explores their legendary fight for justice. Um, from their perspective, and it's the, about the incredible impact that they made on workers' rights that still affect American workers today. Um, and this is the first time it's really been talked about and brought to the forefront. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, I'm just, there has to be a movie, right? Like, don't you think? Like the, the I, you
0: work... would think so. This sounds like it's just made for like a movie or an HBO series or something.
1: Yeah, I think we'll be seeing that soon, so you can pick it up. In stores, it's out today, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Again, it's The Radium Girls by Kate Moore.
0: Awesome. All right, I am getting ready to go on vacation next week. So I've been like cramming a couple weeks of reading into one week or attempting to, but like not very successfully. Um, So I had intended to have this next book read, but I'm gonna be taking it on vacation with me instead. Uh, But I've been hearing a ton about it for like months and months now. This is one of Algonquin's big books of the year. It's called The Leavers by Lisa Ko. And this is the winner of the 2016 Penn Bellwether Prize for Fiction, which is awarded by Barbara Kingsolver each year for a novel that addresses issues of social justice. So if you're paying attention to novels that do this or um, if you're looking for something that might contribute to some of your read-hard-or-challenge tasks, this might be a place to start. Um, it is about a... Uh, boy named Deming Guo, um, one morning, his mother, Polly, who is an undocumented Chinese immigrant, goes to her job at a nail salon and never comes home. No one can find any trace of her. So with his mother gone, Deming, who is just 11, uh, is mystified and bereft. He's eventually adopted by a pair of well-meaning white professors. And he's moved from the Bronx to a small town upstate and renamed Daniel Wilkinson. So you have some interesting race and identity uh, and class stuff happening there already. Um, He's far from everything that he's ever known and he's struggling to reconcile his adoptive parents' desire that he assimilate with his memories of his mother and the community he left behind. Um, So it's told from both the perspective of Daniel as he's growing into a young man and from his mother um, who is supposed to be one of fiction's most singular mothers and she's forced to make all kinds of uh, heart-wrenching decisions. It's set in both New York and China so it's a vivid examination of borders both literal and emotional, and of the issues of belonging and assimilation, uh, and addresses social justice, as we have said. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reading it. I don't think it's going to be like an easy vacation book, but I've been hearing really good things. Um, I'm bummed that I didn't get it finished in time for today, but this is my looking forward to, um, it rose to the top of the list of all of these other ones that there are just so many books out today. So that's The Leavers by Lisa Coe.
1: Last time? Last one? I don't know. <laughs> Bedtime. <laughs> my last pick was on my list of most anticipated for 2017, and now here it is already May. How is that
0: possible? I, I have don't... no idea.
1: <laughs> but it's Salt Houses by Hala Alian. She is a Palestinian American poet, and Salt Houses is her debut novel. It is beautiful, it is the story of a family about Selma and her children. Um, when the children were very young, uh, the family was forced to leave their home. They had a beautiful home. And they lived in orange fields um, and they were forced out by soldiers the, and they had to relocate. And at the beginning of the book, Selma is looking back on this. It's her youngest daughter's wedding is coming up and it's 1965. Um, her husband had has passed away many years before and she's thinking about like when they had to relocate and how they never could have done it if it wasn't for the family money that they had. And she's having all these feels about her youngest daughter getting married. She also has this talent for seeing people's futures in coffee dregs. And so her youngest daughter, Aliyah, like I said, she's getting married. She asks her mother to read her future. And her mother looks in the coffee cup and she sees things, but they're not all good. But she doesn't want to tell her daughter that. So she just you know, tells her the good stuff. Um, but now she's, you know, very torn because she thinks that, you know, upheaval is coming into their lives. And she is not wrong. It comes in the form of the Six Day War in nineteen sixty-seven. And at this point, her Aliyah's brother Mustafa, he has become mixed up in politics. Um, he's grown up fatherless and he's sort of taken advantage of by these older men who want him to join their cause. Um And, you know, they talk about martyring themselves and and things like that. And, like, the Six-Day War happens. Um, And then the book moves to 1990. And when Aliyah is living in Kuwait City with her family and Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait and how her family must move once again. And then the story branches out to all over the world, you know, Boston and Paris and Beirut. And it's just this really powerful novel of family and sort of the collision of Eastern and Western culture it's about war and loss. And it's a story of immigrants, what it's like to have to leave your home, to have to try and make your way in a country that you're unfamiliar with or where you're not wanted, and when you have to sometimes move again. Um, Aaliyah uses this gorgeous novel to illustrate how impermanent everything in our lives is, from you know our family to our homes to our freedoms. It's so fantastic. Again, it's called Salt Houses by Halan Oh, I'm messing it up. By Hala Alian.
0: If I were a faster reader, you were going to have to fight me for that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would have let you have it.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't make it. So we're yeah. all good. <laughs> uh, my last round this week I'm going to do a two for paperback shout out because not only is this a big new release week it is a big paperback release week and two of the best slash my favorite books of 2016 are out in paperback today the first is Homegoing by Yad Jesse which um, moves between Africa and the United States in multiple generations of uh, people who were slaves who were brought to the states that way um, who eventually some of them escaped slavery and became free in the later generation um, and reflection sort of back and forth on what that is like. Um, also characters from multiple sides of families, some who one of the women is married to a slaver and how complicated that is. But the structure of the book is one of the most interesting structures I've seen in a novel, especially a debut novel in a while in that sort of each chapter moves you forward to the next generation. So each chapter also introduces you to who is going to narrate the next chapter or who the next chapter is going to be about and it just unfolds in this really elegant and interesting way I I just loved it um I did have to fight Jeff uh to be able to and several other book rioters actually to be able to blurb it for the best books of 2016 last year I just really really loved it her writing is knockout it's difficult subject matter um I think that if it had come out in any other year than the year in which Colson Whitehead released The Underground Railroad, it would have had even more confetti thrown for it. Such an incredible book. So it's out in paperback. It's a beautiful paperback edition. If you haven't read it yet, you should. If you're looking for a book club book, um, something that will really, you can sink your teeth into and that will challenge you to think about some difficult things and have some big conversations, go on and do that. So that one's Homegoing by Ya Jesse. And then for a nonfiction fix, The Gene by Siddhartha Mukherjee is out. And this is a good one. I think if you're doing the thing for like Father's Day, for typical dad books, if your dad likes, you know, doorstop nonfiction, pick up the gene. But also if you like science and learning stuff about the world, you should pick up the gene. He has this remarkable talent for taking a really big subject, like the, his first book, The Emperor of All Maladies, is a biography of cancer. The Gene is a deep dive into how we came to understand genetics, including all of the like centuries of science and not quite science and pre-science where we made where humans made guesses about like what made our eyes blue um, or what caused different diseases and then sort of how we discovered the gene what genetics means and what the future of our understanding of genetics might mean for advances in medical treatments but also for ethical questions because we really are just at the beginning of knowing all of these things that we could do with the gene and all of the ways that we could heal people. And so many other things, it's just mind blowing. Like if you just let me rattle off a jillion facts from this book that I learned, I would do it, but that wouldn't be nearly as exciting for you as to learn it from Siddhartha Mukherjee, who's just a really, really wonderful writer. So that is out in paperback this week as well. That wraps up new books and some other stuff. Uh, What are you going to go read now? Can I say
1: one thing first? Yes. Um, just today is like the most amazing paperback release day. And just like while you were talking about it, I was thinking about some other ones. There's the Knicks, there's the Sport of Kings, there's the Assistant, and there's another one that I'm really excited about. Why We Came to the City. So just like so many paperback books. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Okay. Are you going to go read a paperback book now? Do you have a book date picked yeah. out?
1: Yes, I do. Um. So I think it was like the first show of the year, I talked about History of Wolves by Emily Friedland. Oh, yeah. And we had, like, three Emilies on, like, that day or something. Um, well, complete surprise to me. She has a book of short stories coming out from Sarah Band's book in October. Awesome. To me. I got it in the mail. I squealed a lot. I'm really excited. It's called Catapult. What about you?
0: I'm going to go read Saints for All Occasions by J. Courtney Sullivan. Um, which is out next week. I love her and I can't wait.
1: I'm going to see her at Prince. You lucky
0: duck. Three
1: weeks, three weeks.
0: They're just going to have to build you an apartment like above the bookstore.
1: Um, can we just talk quickly about how funny it was that you texted me that you were like,
0: I saw you in someone else's Instagram story.
1: <laughs> I was like, what?
0: And there I was. You were in the front row of a reading for an author that I follow on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Liberty.
1: I Like, I always sit in the back, but, like, nobody wants to sit in the front, so I was like, okay, I'll sit in the front, because I was very excited about the reading, and then there I was. So funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what times we live in. Uh, Thank you to our sponsors, Talenti Gelato, uh, to Adulthood for Beginners by Andy Boyle and the Radium Girls. We'll have links to all of those in the show notes. You can find the books wherever books are sold. You know where to find gelato. Good luck to you. Uh, if you have any thoughts or questions or whatever for us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I am Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty's handle is Miss Liberty, and if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate that.
1: And as much as we would love to tell you ATVs about more books today, we just don't have the time. You can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter.
0: And in the meantime, in the meantime, have a happy, cool. happy reading. And- what? <laughs> <laughs>